I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. Pre-order the new LFC 24-25 season Nike home kit now. You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to the Daily Red. Your today's afternoon catch up on all things Liverpool FC and not really all things Liverpool FC because I don't really want to talk about yesterday's game where Liverpool drew nil-nil with Manchester United. A weakened, very poor Manchester United who had very little interest in doing anything other than avoiding a hammering. Liverpool were just shit. They were shit. And there's no other way to say it. They were just shit yesterday. And I saw some people trying to make out that it's not a bad result because it's United. It's an awful result. It's the worst result of the season so far. Yes, it's worse than Luton because we're at home. United are dreadful. United are missing so many players. And United had taken zero points of any team in the top nine this season. They'd lost more games than they'd won. They'd conceded more game goals than they'd scored. They're just dreadful. This is the worst Manchester United team since the early days of Ferguson, when they finished 11th one year. This is that level. They're that bad. They've had an easy run of fixtures. And they're this bad. And yet we couldn't find a way to break them down. We had more chances yesterday, more shots yesterday than we did against them last season. But the difference was we created nothing yesterday. We had one big chance yesterday. One. Last year we had six in the game against them. Some of it is the shape. The system doesn't work for a lot of the players. We've been winning games based on individual brilliance, not because the team is functioning as a cohesive unit. And I've been saying this for weeks. If you look at our performances this season, We have not been playing well. And far too many people want to judge things just on results alone and not on the actual performance. They want to overlook performances and just look at results. And then they're surprised when things fall off a cliff. Like last season. The signs were there that last season was coming. But no, no, we were told Liverpool are going to be banging the mix. No glaring errors, no gaps to fill. Yada, yada, yada. And for a couple of years before that, people were excusing individual performances and often team performances because of results. And it's the exact same thing this season. Poor against Chelsea, 
poor for a good stretch of the Bournemouth game, poor up at Toon. We were brilliant against Villa. We were dreadful in the first half against Wolves. Played pretty well against West Ham. Played pretty well against Spurs. We were poor at Brighton. We were fairly poor at home to Everton. We were pretty good at home to Forest. We were dreadful against Luton. We were pretty pretty good against Brentford. We were poor against City. We were awful against Fulham. We were awful against Sheffield United. And we were awful against Crystal Palace. And we were no worse yesterday than we were in the three previous games. But yesterday we drew. In those three previous games we won. Had we won 1-0 yesterday, people would have just kept their heads in the sand and just thought everything was great. And if you questioned anything, you'd be told, well, we're top of the league. Like, prior to yesterday's game, you've been lectured if you suggested that maybe Liverpool should tweak the shape. Maybe Liverpool should look at a system change. Maybe there was a way to maximise the talent and potential of the players we have in the team rather than building a system that is heliocentric around one player and doesn't really benefit anybody other than that one player. Everyone else is suffering so one player can get the role he wants without actually really getting the role he wants. But yesterday, Virgil played well, Ibu played well, Costas played well, Endo was okay, he's meh, wasn't great. He was the best of the midfielders, but Jesus Lord wept. You or me would have been better than the other two. Ali had little to do. He made one good save, standing up well against Hoysland in 1v1. That was it. That's all he had to do. They were dreadful. They came with no intention to try and win the game. But our midfield wasn't good enough and our attack was not good enough. Dominic was dreadful. Gravenberg was crap. Endo, like I say, was okay. But ultimately, Endo's not good enough to be starting games for us if we want to have any real chance of winning major honours. Mo was very poor. Darwin was dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. Diaz was okay. Again, he was the best of the attackers, but it was a really low bar. But that's now, I would say, five games in a row in the league where Mo has been really, really poor. City. The City, he was, no, City, he wasn't really poor. City, he was just okay. But Fulham, he was dreadful. Sheffield United, he was dreadful. And Palace, he was dreadful. And yesterday, he was really, really poor. So that's a little bit concerning that we can't even fully lean into Mo's brilliance. And Darwin, I mean, it's very hard to defend that performance yesterday. But then, you know, you start looking at other strikers and you, you see people come up with this nonsense of, oh, well, this player scored more goals than him and that player scored more goals than him. Okay, let's look at the minutes played. And Darwin's played a lot less minutes than the players that he's been compared to, so fair enough. So that's one thing that's at least defending him. But then we look at the goals. Like, just go and look at the, some of the goals that have been scored by these players that have scored more than him. Like, look at Nicholas Jackson's goal yesterday. Darwin doesn't get that chance. 
We don't create that chance. You know? We don't create particularly good chances right now. You look at the Fulham game. Trent scores a worldie. Alexa scores a worldie. Endo scores a worldie. And then Trent scores a really good goal. We didn't create any of those goals. You look at the Sheffield United goals, Virgil from a set piece, and Dominic, a late-game counter-attack type of situation. Crystal Palace, the first goal is a bit of a mess, and the second goal is outstanding from Harvey. But the last goal we really created with good team play was Trent's goal against City. It was a really good build-up. We're just not, we're not putting the pieces together well enough at the moment. And you look at the summer players that came in, Gravenberg has been dreadful. I don't care what anyone has to say anymore. He's been dreadful. He's had a couple of good games in the Europa League. He was good against Leicester. They're lesser opposition, lower league caliber opposition. To lose, they'd struggle in the championship. Leicester, they're a good championship side, to be fair. And was it the first union game he was good in? So there you go. That's that's his Liverpool career to date. Those three games. He's been garbage in the Premier League. He looks miles out of his depth. He's lazy. He's horrible defensively. He's soft. Look at his win percentage in jewels. <laughs> He's won five aerial jewels in 19 appearances. The guy's six foot three. That's a scandal. He's been really poor. Now, the talent is undeniable. But for years, Liverpool fans laughed and said, Klopp had never signed Paul Pogba. Well, he might well just have done that. Endo gives us all, but the lack of quality is is stark. Zabozlai started out like a house on fire. Now he's been wasted like some sort of limited box-to-box shuttler type. And McAllister's been largely wasted this season playing as a six, which isn't his position. He doesn't like playing there. He's not particularly good there. But because Jürgen didn't do what was needed in the summer, here we are. We signed two good midfielders and we're wasting both of them. We're not getting anywhere near the best of both of them. But it's not just in this window that the recruitment has been iffy. Because I would class Gravenberg and Endo as 50 million poorly spent. Now, look, Gravenberg has a chance. He's still young. But the early signs are not promising. You go back to January, Cody Gakpo. Talented player. Very inconsistent. And soft. You're six foot four, lad. You play like you're five foot four. You're far too easily bullied. How do you not know how to use your frame? It's not like a thing like he's a young player. Cody's 24. Again, talented, no question. But doesn't use his body well. Carvalho 
had a decent start to life at Liverpool, then got binned off. We barely saw him the second half of the season. Now he's out on loan, not playing. Calvin Ramsey got injured after he arrived and hasn't played much since. And Darwin, like, I mean, it's clear what he could be. It's clear what the potential is. Physically, he's an animal. Like, he's incredible. He's got most of the attributes you'd look for, but the touch is inconsistent. The shot setup is inconsistent. How many times do we see him get into a position, take a touch and shoot, but the touch has put the ball into an area that's not where he needs it to be and it ends up like an awkward-looking shot and the finishing is poor. Like There's no argument. The finishing is poor. Now, I still have very high hopes for him and I still think he's very, very valuable to us because he does impact the game in a lot of really good ways and he impacts winning. But yesterday he impacted winning in the wrong way and was a big part of why we didn't win. You go back the season before, 21-22. We signed Diaz in the January. Came in, looked unbelievable for the first couple of months. Then he started to tail off. Started the 22-23 season brilliantly. Got injured. And has never looked the same. Has never looked the same since for us. Now for Brazil, or for Colombia rather, we saw the game against Brazil. Like he looks... He looks like the player we bought. So is that a coaching thing? Is it a tactical thing? Is it a motivation thing? In the summer, the Saudi Pro League wanted him. And as much as I like him, if they came calling in January with 60 million, I think we'd be right to take it. And Ibu. Now, Ibu is outstanding. But the question does need to be asked, has Ibu improved since we signed him? Because I don't think he has. I think he's still very, very good. I still think he's just, but I think he's still the same defender he was when we signed him. I don't think he's developed. And when you look at all of the players we've signed, starting with Ibu, who could you really say has developed? Who has improved since joining us? from that group from 21, 22, 22, 23 and the group signed in the summer. None of them have improved so far. They've changed. They've changed. Diaz has gone from being one of the more exciting players in Europe to very predictable and quite hesitant. Darwin has turned from one of the most exciting attack attacking midfielders in Europe into a cart horse. Alexis has gone from a guy who ran games to a guy who's really struggling to influence games. I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. Pre-order the new LFC 24-25 season night home kit now. You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone.
doesn't feel like the process in our recruitment, in the identification of players for what the actual roles are designed to be is working the same way it used to when this process was flawless. And when we would sign players, we would see them all develop and all improve. And the reason I went back to 2021 is because that's when Michael Edwards was shunted to one side and then decided to leave. At the end of we at the end of that transfer window, he'd had enough and he decided to leave, having had his path blocked every time he tried to make a move. Julian Ward takes over from him and he leaves. And it's notable that both of them still have great relationships with the owners. So it wasn't an issue with the owners that they left over. But we're not identifying players as well as we used to. We're not buying as smartly as we used to. And the players aren't developing in the same way as they used to. And that's just concerning. It just is concerning. Again, I think all of the players that we signed that had merit, like Ibu, one of the best young centre-backs in Europe, made absolute sense to buy him. Diaz, super talented. We needed a new left winger. His natural game should have fit well into what we were doing. But now it's been curbed. Calvin Ramsey is a long-term you know, cover at right back. Absolutely see the logic there. Darwin, I mean, the potential is obvious. And we'd seen what he'd done at Benfica and he was horrible for us to play against when he was at Benfica. Gave Ibu and Virgil a really tough time. Cody, again, you can see the talent. You could see why we would go and get him. The, the numbers he was putting up in the Eredivisie were really, really impressive. Dominic, Alexis, there was there's obvious reasons to sign both of them. Endo as a backup six would have been an okay signing if we'd signed an actual starting defensive midfielder. And Gravenberg was the gamble. It was a gamble on talent. It was a gamble on the hope that we get him into our environment and the issues that Bayern have had with him go away. And the fact is they haven't. The fact is those issues haven't gone away. And all the reasons that Julian Nagelsmann and Thomas Tuchel gave up on him are so prevalent in how he plays. He's lazy. Off the ball, he is lazy. He doesn't do anything at a high level other than dribble, and even that is inconsistent. He doesn't win tackles. He doesn't track runners. He doesn't press well. Like, the under-pressure boys, I'm sure, can give you a, a good long tutorial on Darwin statistically or on, on Gravenberg statistically, but he just he's not doing what we need him to do. And the, there's no balance in a midfield that has him and Sabozlai because Sabozlai then has to become this cart horse. Now, when Sabozlai plays with Curtis as the other one, and I know people have their issues with Curtis, but that's frankly just because they're idiots who don't understand what they're watching. When Dominic plays with Curtis and has more of an attacking mandate, you get the best out of him because Curtis offers balance, because Curtis defensively is very strong, because Curtis is a brilliant presser of the ball. But people just want to have a shot. Like the, the worst, the worst shout currently going is 
if Curtis Jones wasn't scouts, he'd be playing in the championship. Like, do you understand how stupid you sound when you say things like that? Genuinely, if do people understand how stupid they sound when they say things like that? If Curtis Jones wasn't scouse, he'd still be at Liverpool. And if Curtis Jones wasn't at Liverpool, there's a dozen Premier League clubs that would snap him up without even thinking about it. Do you really think Jurgen Klopp cares where he's from? Do you think it has any, any even small influence on Jurgen keeping him at the club? Of course it doesn't. It's actually hugely insulting to the manager to suggest that the only reason Curtis Jones is at the club is because he's scouts. It's genuinely ridiculous. But a lot of the issues that we had last season are prevalent again this season. And some of them were cured when we changed shape. But if you go back and look at the games when we changed shape last season, there's this idea that we just immediately became brilliant. We changed shape in the Arsenal game. Then we went and we hammered Leeds. We were really good in that game. And then we were dreadful against Forrest at home. And then we played West Ham away and we were really poor. And then we were brilliant against Spurs for 15 minutes. And then we were awful against Spurs for 75 minutes. And then somehow we still won the game. We were poor against Fulham. We were poor against Brentford. We were good against Leicester because they were getting relegated. We were poor against Villa. And we were dreadful against Southampton. Like, there's this idea that, yeah, like we've got great results since changing to this shape. But the performances have not been there. The performances don't match the results at all. And at some time, at some point, you have to start performing well, or you're not going to get the results. And it's, you know, it's a little bit concerning to me. And we all know what the issues are. We all know we need a defensive midfielder. We know we need an improvement on the left side of the defense. We know that there's improvement needed in attack. But when you look at what we've done in the market over the last couple of years, A, it's not enough. And B, which of them has actually improved since joining? Which kind of points to maybe we need to buy more final, you know, finished product type of guys. Guys that don't need a huge amount of development. Guys that we're not going to bring in and alter. That we're just going to buy them for what they are. This is Anfield has lots of post-match coverage from the Liverpool United game, um, including some pieces about the national media, which have, you know, taken great joy in announcing that it's now Arsenal's title to lose, which is a hilarious thing after their first good performance of the season. Um, They've got their player ratings up uh, done by Young Henrolds. Um... Allison seven, Trent six, Canate seven, Virgil eight, Simicus seven, Endo six, Gravenberg five, Sabozlai four, they're both generous. Salah five, Nunes four, they're both generous. Diaz six, they're fair enough. They're fair enough. But we were really, really poor. 
and it's not an overreaction. We were just awful. They're crap. They are crap. Um, funny thing when when Roy Keane decided to have a pop at Virgil. Virgil was spot on in what he said about United. And Roy Keane, I would bet 100% agreed with him, but felt like he had to stick up for United because there's no way Roy Keane went home that night and thought, I was delighted to see United perform like they did and celebrate their draw. There's no way Roy Keane wouldn't have been fuming with the fact that United turned up and played like that. If anything was going to get Roy Keane, even privately, if not publicly, out on Eric Ten Hag, it's a performance like yesterday. Uh, Liverpool avoid controversial 32-team Club World Cup in 2025, and here's why. Liverpool will not take part in the newly expanded Club World Cup in 2025, meaning their next chance to feature in the tournament would not be until 2029. Plenty will take that quite happily. Despite obvious calls for greatest player welfare, FIFA continue to add games to the calendar and their latest brainchild involves a 32-team Club World Cup tournament starting from 2025, but Liverpool will not take part in the first edition, which allows only two clubs per country to take part. Uh, Man City and Chelsea are already guaranteed their spots, having won the Champions League in the predetermined four-year cycle. And only Arsenal could join them if they won the Champions League this year, which Arsenal aren't going to win the Champions League this year. Um, Liverpool do obviously have more coefficient points than Chelsea, but because Chelsea won the European Cup, they would get in. And you know what? I couldn't care less. I'm absolutely delighted that we're not involved. It just sounds like an absolute nonsense of a tournament, to be honest. Um, but look, when 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 City buy their way to it, I'm sure I'm sure we'd all be thrilled for them. Um, Jurgen Klopp should he, Liverpool should heed Jurgen Klopp instruction. No, uh, Liverpool locked out of UEFA slot in. Blah blah blah. Uh, Liverpool were hours away from signing Man United mistake, who just shows the Reds he can't run. It's about Amrabat. Amrabat would look much better on our team than he does in theirs. Real Madrid injury could force move for Liverpool target as Rafinha, as Barcelona names Rafinha Price. Okay. Liverpool can no longer ignore two title realities as Jurgen Klopp could take Unai Emery lesson. Obviously, Peace but Villa, who are level on points with us. Steven Gerrard could turn to Roberto Firmino as Liverpool legend left fuming in Saudi Arabia. Let's come back to that. Um, Gerard Lampard not being very good as managers piece about Virgil uh, yeah I can't be arsed reading about Eric Ten Hag let's see Real Madrid injury what's this about David Alaba is oh wow David Alaba tore his ACL They've already got Eder Militao out with a torn ACL and Thibaut Courtois out with a torn ACL. So Goncalo Inacio could become a target for Real, which he he would fit like a glove into that team, to be fair. Uh, Barcelona have named, I've put, I've put an £86 million price tag on Rafinha. Rafinha doesn't want to leave, so I think it will be a waste of everybody's time, really. Um, 
So Al Etifak obviously not playing very well at the moment. Um Drew with Al Itahad Fabinho's team at the weekend. No, where am I? I've gotten lost here. Sorry, that was a few weeks ago. Then lost to Al Akdud, drew with Al Shabab and lost to Al Tuan. They have not won any of their last seven games. They've won one of their last nine, one of 10, one of 11. They've won one of the last 11 games. That's dreadful. Where are they in the table? They're still only an eighth. But that's because there's lots of shit in the league. Um, but they're now miles behind the, the top teams. But Fabinho's Al Itahad have not performed particularly well either. Um, so they're only four points ahead, which is surprising considering some of the players they have. But it looks like Bobby's been having a tough enough time over there as well. Like obviously, obviously, you're not going to be watching that type of garbage. But um, yeah, I have read some reports that Bobby's not been playing well and that not getting on well with the manager and whatever else. I see Stephen's trying to play a back three now, which is always a bad sign when a non-back three manager decides that a back three is his best course of action. Um. Bobby's team, though, are playing pretty well. Alali are third. They are 13 points behind Al Halal. The weekend they won 4 0. Bobby didn't stop. Bobby was left on the bench. So was Mary, uh, Mary Demerel, to be fair. But yeah. It does appear like Bobby's maybe lost his spot in the team and uh, perhaps not taken it too well. So I'm guessing, yeah, he hasn't played the last two. Hasn't started any of the last three. Four. Jesus, Bobby, how long have you been out for? He hasn't started any of the last four. Is it more than that? It is. It is more than that. He hasn't started any of the last six. He hasn't started any of the last six games. That's dreadful. People wanted us to keep him. Uh, but yeah, this story is basically saying that perhaps Stevie could try and bring him to Al Etifak. They couldn't afford his wages. Bobby's on silly money over there. Um, I look, who cares, really? They they all made their choices. They all made their own beds. So they've all got the money to not worry about it too much. But yeah, it maybe just shows that money's not everything, I suppose. Uh, what have we got on anfieldindex.com? Klopp said that our first half yesterday was the best counter-pressing of the season. Fellas in fucking dream world. Liverpool condemn attack on Manchester United bus. It would people stop fucking throwing things at buses and maybe make a bit of noise inside the ground instead. That might be helpful. Um, Anfield Index also voted Virgil as man of the match. So we have player ratings podcast wise. Um, the positivity lads, I don't know how. I don't know how. I, 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 you know, no disrespect, lads. 
that I'll be giving that one a pass, but sure other people should definitely give it a listen. It might help. I'm going to have to give it a pass. I've gotten myself more wound up as I've done this. Um, there's a post-match role. There's a media matters. There is a pro plus uh, with Dave Davis. And there is an AIP with Trev and, um, and Lisa Marie. There is also going to be, I believe, two songs of Anfield pods this week. So keep an ear out for those. And folks, I have to go before I get more annoyed. I'll see you all tomorrow. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.